Welcome to the Midlife Athlete Podcast, and um, I'm one of your hosts, um, Jason, and uh, joined, as usual, by the other host, Greg. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Happy New Year to you, Greg. Happy New Year. It's the 1st of January. I know. Uh, and I'm feeling smug. I was, I was on the turbo trainer today. Oh, very good. I've had a day off today. Rest day. I thought I'd just better get it in. <laughs> I thought I need to start as I as I mean to go on. And yeah. did you just do a zone two session on the turbo? Didn't actually. I only had half an hour, and I thought I haven't done um, a higher intensity. I didn't do a high intensity one. I did a higher intensity um, for half an hour, and it was quite interesting. I did I did about ten miles in 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 thirty minutes. And so definitely heart rate was, was, was higher, but it was just, it was right on the cusp of my top of my zone one, that, that zone one, two and three, which Phil Cavell talked about in his um, midlife, midlife cyclist. Um, so that's 80% of my maximum heart rate. It was about 143, 144. Um, I was around, I sat there comfortably for a half hour. And came off it feeling not not too bad, and I ca- I could have carried on at that pace quite comfortably. And I know that I've, when I've done twenty miles, or tried to average twenty miles an hour for an hour uh, previously, I've actually really it's really been a bit of a struggle. Um, so I just I haven't done that much cycling or higher intensity cycling for a long time. So that initial trying to get my my legs going. It didn't. They didn't quite respond. <laughs> and so yeah, so yeah, this that what we're talking about um, in the in the first that first podcast about the neural adaptations. But you've got to learn to how to, you've got to learn to be able to switch these things on. So you go for that sort of long slow ride, and suddenly you hit a hill. You got you need to explode and accelerate. You need to be able to tap into those the the type twos when you need to. And if you don't train them, particularly as we get older, we're going to lose them. So if we, but if we don't keep using them and learning how to recruit them um, or recruit them more efficiently, you're, you're just going to feel a bit sluggish. Mm. Um, actually, by the end of it, because I wasn't absolutely going balls out as I used to do, this was actually quite enjoyable. Um, I, quite, I quite liked it. Um, and, I, and, I, and I do realise why the high intensity can be quite a sexy workout because you feel like you've done something, you know, Whereas you know what's, what Stephen Seeley was saying about that, those zone ones and uh, the, the low end the zone twos is that you need to be you need to come off and think well I can't remember, I doesn't feel like I've done anything um, so so I, I, so the sexiness is that oh yeah I've, I've worked hard my legs feel a bit sore running upstairs oh there's a bit oh yeah okay I've done something to my body I've I've I'm, I've done something which is which is feels tangible. Whereas those long, slow rides can be a bit sort of, oh, what's it doing really? <laughs> but I, yeah, but the science is saying yeah, it's doing quite a lot because it's all in the background. You just don't, mm. just don't really know it's there. Um, so that was quite an interesting little, um, little journey there. So that was, that was quite good. It's quite good. And talking about, yeah, right, um, go on. No, no, no. So that's what I was going to ask. Any, uh, what, what are your plans for this year? Have you got any, any, uh, you're going to go off to, uh, off to Belgium somewhere and do some cobbles, won't you? Uh, well, hopefully twice. Um, so I'm doing 
I'm doing the Tour of Flanders, um, but I'm going to bike pack over. Right. Uh, so ride over, do the Tour of Flanders, and then ride back. Okay. Uh, the only bit that I won't be riding is from London down to Dover um, because of just it's just time wise of being able to take time off work and and, and juggle it. Yeah. You. But I'll certainly be riding from Dover. Uh, sorry, from Calais to um, I think it starts in starts and finishes in uh, Oudenarde, the sportive. Um, so mm. I'll be riding close to Oudenarde and then obviously doing the tour of Flanders, and which I think is about one hundred. 45 kilometers uh, and then yeah. riding back. So that's one thing. Um, I have come across something called the Flandrian challenge, which is climbing all of the bergs uh, within, I can't remember the time, but it's a, it's a, it's a period of time, but I think you can do it in something like three days of cycling. There are three right. relatively big days of cycling. I think that right. would be a really cool challenge. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I can. Rope Where's that going to be? Don't know. Hopefully, I can rope you into it <laughs> after your burpee well, world record. I mean, let's face it; you'll be sick of burpees, right? So I'm frigging. Well, you might flip oh, to yeah. cycling then. Uh, I say there'll be a bit of a Stockholm syndrome with my burpees. <laughs> I'll miss them at some point. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That sounds really. That sounds really good, actually. Um, it's quite an unusual challenge, and and. Um, it, again, a bit like when we did the uh, Mont Ventoux, uh, yeah. it's not it's not that many people have sort of have done it, um, so it's, it's quite unusual. So those those are the two mains. I'll, I'll be doing some guiding again this year. Um, I promised that I would take my eldest Kai to uh, South Wales for some cycling, some hills. Um, now he's getting into cycling big in a big way. Um, so those are the. Those are the ones that are, you know, kind of inked in for next year or this year. This year, gosh, yeah, news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it is this year. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the challenges for me. Um, and I think for both both of those stuff, your stuff and mine, uh, what we're going to talk about today is particularly relevant. <laughs> energy Reasonable. systems, yeah. energy. Uh, we'll be, I think we'll be using different energy systems. <laughs> yes. We're relying on different parts of those energy systems uh, at diff- different times. But yeah, 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 very, two different, very different challenges. <laughs> very much so, very much so. But I think it, it's a real nice follow-on from what we talked about in the last pod, which for listeners uh, was all around the, the, the muscles and, and you know what they are and how they work and so on. Because at the end of the day, you've got to fuel those muscles, right, to get them to do stuff that you want them to do. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and really it's actually, it's actually quite simple. <laughs> it's complicated, but simple. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably the best way to describe yeah. it. Cause well, there- I think once you, once you begin to understand it, yes, then it begins to, it comes at you in a more, yeah, you can, you can start to break it down into, into fundamentals. It's, it's like, it's like when you look at the, if you look at some of the, um, intricacies uh, nuances within a muscle itself once you begin to see that time again you begin to register it and, and picture it you you can then understand it much better um that's true but i think it, for me i think this is a fundamental thing if you can understand the energy systems and the physiological processes that go on 
the information yeah. that that then allows you to take into your training and how yeah. you train, I think, is is is, is critical. Um, yeah, yeah, very valuable. Yeah, it's incredibly valuable um, on, on so many levels in terms of where you train, where you put your zones, your training zones, not necessarily your heart rate, but your training zones, how you fuel for, you know, that that longer endurance stuff or even some of the, you know, your burpee challenge is, is essentially an endurance challenge, but there's going to be an awful lot of intensity involved in your stuff in short bursts. So, um, you know, it's going to look like a... Yeah, it's going, to, it's going to look like a sore. My my heart rate's going to look like a sawtooth. Yes, for twenty four hours, these huge, you know, big peaks, and then hopefully not very much in between. But um, yes, the challenges there are it, it's our our, our legion <laughs> at the moment, having to get my head around all that. But anyway, I'm looking forward to because uh, there's there's a lot of this that I sort of know from sort of in my reading and studying, but it, it's, it hasn't really quite sunk in yet for me. So there's, there's, this is going to be quite an interesting one. Well, I'll see what I can do to simplify it, Craig, for you. Uh, but uh, yes. I mean, there are only, there are effectively, there are only three energy systems. So if, right. if you if you sort of thought of it like a triangle for the moment, right? Picture the triangle. The pointy bit of the triangle is the uh, phosphagen system. It's the stuff that you would you'd utilize this system when you're doing. Hang on a minute. Three pointy bits on a triangle. There what? There's only one point. The, well, okay, the, the the bit pointing upwards, right? A pyramid. A pyramid. A pyramid. <laughs> okay. The apex. The apex. Right. Okay, the apex of the system. So it's 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 the phosphagen system, which is really for short bursts of you know. So your hundred meter sprint, your Olympic weightlifter that you you know we were talking about with the muscles yeah. before. Um, you know, and and it it basically breaks down some a substance called ATP. You heard people were probably heard of creatine. Um, and it's that it's that explosive nature. You can only really do it for you know seconds, basically. You know, you can't really go anything beyond that. You just can't sustain it. So and so, you know, we generally don't tend to go into those into that area and and and, and utilize that energy system, or very rarely. Um. Uh, and, and 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 the ATP and creatine is obviously within the muscles, right? So you're basically unlocking that as part of the process to be able to allow you the fuel to be able to do that explosive nature of it. Then the two others, as you come down that apex of that triangle, the sort of if you think about the middle strata, it's the uh, glycolytic system. So basically, what you're doing is you're utilizing glucose as your main energy source. Glycolytic. Glycolytic, sorry. Glycolytic. glycolytic system. Yeah. Um, and you're utilizing glucose mainly for that. Um, and it's, we would have probably all been spent time in that area. You probably would have spent time in that area on your 30 minute bike ride today on the turbo. Yeah. Um, and, and essentially what happens there is, you know, the glycogen is stored within the muscles, carbohydrate um, is, is in there and in the liver. So we store a lot of carbohydrate in, in, in the liver and that's, a, that's an energy source that we draw on. Um, and it, it utilizes that to be able to fuel the muscles. Hmm. The next system, if you like, the one right at the base of that uh, pyramid is the oxidative system. And really what we're doing there is we're utilizing – oxygen to break down fats and carbohydrates which again are, are, are present um and that produces energy 
and that's much more kind of low intensity stuff. So the stuff that we would be doing, walking, um, you know, climbing the stairs or very low intensity sort of form of exercise. So that's why you, you're going to utilize that system mostly, which is why I kind of refer to it as the kind of base of that pyramid. Which is and basically that's 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 what you're doing when you're asleep. I mean, yeah, your, yeah. your cells are recuperating twenty four seven, and so you know that is your energy source. You're just not using very much of it when you're at rest, um, and and low intensity um, activity. Yeah, yeah. So what's what we're utilising now, right? We we take in oxygen. Uh, mm. You know that that oxygen gets carried around gets around to the muscles it breaks down the carbohydrate and fats in in the muscles um and then you know it byproducts obviously are stuff like carbon dioxide which obviously we we, we breathe out so that's why it's the oxidative system mm. um and you know it, it, i think that the important thing i should say and actually Sinead, who we interviewed uh, way 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 back you can't think of 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 the, these systems in that pyramid it's not like you go you're in one and then suddenly you you leave one and go into another right um mm. they're not they're not sort of firmly demarcated lines that you just you know you leave one and go into the other they they sort of blur <laughs> so as you yeah. you know as you sort of move through that sort of oxidative system you know, if you're increasing the intensity of your exercise or, or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, you're likely to draw on some of the the other system. And likewise, you know, if you're you know, if you did your, your bike session this morning and you decided to do some 20 second sprints or whatever um, at the end mm. of that session, you know, you would have moved, you know, right through the whole pyramid from start to finish at mm. the end of that session. So they're not they're not uh, fixed uh zones in that sense um we we kind of utilize utilize them at the same time to a degree because i think that there's there is a trend in the fitness world to try and put them into categories into little pigeonholes uh i remember talking to you on the pod a few years ago about um, some of the uh, sports watches on, uh, on on the market, and particularly ones. There was ones that I, I looked at in the shop, and they were target, clearly targeting um, uh, women, and they had literally either fat burning or fitness. There was either t- there was two zones effectively. There, that that's, that was their raison d'être for this watch, and, and I looked at it and thought, God, yeah, he's so patronizing uh but at the same time so bloody wrong uh and misleading yeah. um yeah i'm in my fat burning zone i'm in my fitness zone it's like that doesn't work that way yeah and i think there's a lot of conf- well and and the, and the reason it doesn't work that way for, for for listeners is you know these these energy systems are interlinked with with what production of lactate mm. um and so you know particularly uh, in the um, uh, well, lactate lactate is produced even in the oxidative zone. You produce mm. lactate, and lactates are kind of um, it's a bit of a kind of mystery what it is. But but uh, people would know uh, of lactic acid, which is a byproduct, which you you tend to get you know towards the end of sort of high intensity exercise, which means that it builds up and you and you find you can't can't go anymore but 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 lactate lactate is is energy you can utilize mm. that and the body utilizes it 
as as fuel again. So those those three kind of energy systems, if you like, are all connected together by what's called uh, the production of lactate and, and what's called a lactate curve. So when you're in that oxidative state, you are producing lactate, but it's minimal lactate. And what tends to happen at the cellular level is your is the cell, the mitochondria within that cell can use that lactate as fuel. And, and so it's just circular and it stays within the cell. Yeah. At right. some point in time, if you increase the intensity, your lactate production tends to then increase. So and it typically that's known as the first lactate threshold point. And that right. that will dictate you know, you're largely moving into the uh, glycoclytic. Uh, system and mm. you know, you're producing more lactate and that's still not a problem because the cell will utilize some of it in the mitochondria mm. but some of it then tips over into the bloodstream um, mm. and it gets transported around for use elsewhere it's called a lactate shuttle then obviously if you keep on increasing the intensity that curve has started off flat is now you know had gone past that first point of inflection is now going to a second point of inflection where the lactate is, it, it just basically, your body can't utilize it quick enough. You're producing so much of it, it just cannot deal with the, the production of it. And so it can't, it can't clear it. And because it can't clear it, you then feel the effects of that as what people tend to know as lactic acid. And, and then we all know what happens. You, you kind of grind to a halt. So you've got this curve and that effectively dictates it goes, you know, it's like, it acts like a thread across these zones. So when you talk about training zones and reason why some of those watches are so rubbish is they can't actually determine your two lactate threshold points. The only real way you can determine that is actually if you take a lactate test, which, you know, mm. is, is quite impractical when you're out and about on the bike or running or, or rowing or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, but that, but that's essentially how the systems work that they're, they're, they're all based on lactate and and uh either you're if you're really unfit you'll find that very first point that lactate threshold point will actually be quite small it won't take you very long of it to do much of an intensity to actually get to that point and you start producing more lactate which spills over into the bloodstream likewise if you're a pro runner or endurance athlete that point becomes way stretched out um and so that oxidative zone becomes much much greater that's that aerobic base that we talk about or that aerobic engine um and that's 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 how the energy systems work really it's it's it, it's complicated the whole sort of each system but but if you sort of stand back, it's quite a simple process, really. And then from there, you can dictate your training zones once you understand, you know, physiologically what's happening and where your lactate is likely to be uh, produced. Okay. So where, where do we go from here in terms of then you think, okay, where, my, how do I determine my first lactate threshold? Yeah. So that's – is that, is that- is that the same as the aerobic threshold? Yes. Yeah. So, so you would have. So, there are two lactate points, two lactate thresholds. Yeah. LT one, LT two. That's typically how science journals and stuff will refer to them. What people might have also referred to them as the aerobic and anaerobic uh, threshold. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you'd have heard, uh, I'm I'm over my aerobic threshold, uh, but I'm not. 
you know, I'm, I'm going to ride or run up until my anaerobic threshold. Okay. So a lot of listeners, when they talk about threshold uh, training, uh, threshold intervals, that kind of stuff, it's that second anaerobic threshold that we're right. really kind of talking about. It's where you're you're really in that um, zone where you're, you, you know, you're obviously you're utilizing some of your oxidative zone to get there, but you're burning carbohydrate glucose and you're, yeah. And you're just at that point where but you haven't tipped over it where it your body just can't clear it. So it's still being able to clear it in the in the bloodstream. But again, you're only probably going to be able to sustain that for you know a certain period of time at that threshold point, maybe an hour, an hour and a half, and then the duration will flip you over the other side of that line. Mm. You, how do you determine your lactate threshold points or your aerobic and anaerobic threshold points? The ideal way is a test, a lactate test. It's the only real yeah. determinative way in which you're going to be able to do it. Um, now, as I say, that's quite impractical. Um, so the only other ways that you can kind of do it, but it needs a kind of triangulation. So this is what I would do, for example, with my clients is to say, well, we know we know roughly that the first lactate threshold point so the end of your oxidative state um is roughly 70 to 75 percent of your maximum heart rate okay okay so so you could say okay i will i know what my maximum heart rate is so i can do that calculation and i know Mm -hmm. that 75 percent i'll take as my upper end and that's that's my first my first lactate point now again as I say, you won't be able to definitively know it, but but it gives you a rough indication. The other sort of rough rule of thumb that you can use is: can you carry on a, com- a conversation? Can you chat? Um, you'll be a little bit breathly, you know, but you haven't. You can still talk. Mm. If you can do that again, chances are that you're probably still within that first lactate threshold point. If you can't, if you're, you know, if you're really struggling to hold a conversation, you're just out of breath, you, you are probably in that second zone. So in your glycolytic zone, probably nudging up against your second um, lactate threshold point. Mm. So so that's the rough way in which you can you can do it. So typically what I would do with with a with a client, for example, is I would roughly we would work out their maximum heart rate. But of course, that varies. <laughs> so you can't would say you, that's going to be the just, same all the time. Would you do a proper stress test with them? In an ideal world, what I would, what I tend to do is I, uh, I've got a formula which I use. It's not two twenty minus age, but there's a, a thing that I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've got a code that I basically put in a bit of script that gives me a starting point. Then I tend to say, right, you've got to do a test. So it might be a bike test or a running test or running intervals or whatever it might be. And then that gives you another triangulation point. Um, and then I say, okay, I think let's say 70% is, I don't know, 130 beats a minute, right? Mm. Go out and run or, 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 or whatever it is that you do. For mine, it's going to be running or cycling. Can you hold a conversation? So get yeah. to 120 beats a minute. Are you, can you hold a conversation comfortably? What's your RPE feel like? Um, or it feels easy. I can have a chat. Fine. Okay. 
what about if you go up to one, two, five or one, two, five. Now I'm, I feel like that's, so then you can triangulate it that way. But as I say, without, without doing a lactate test, you're never going to be perfect. It's only going to give you a rough estimate. Yeah. Okay. But it's better than not being aware of it at all. Yeah. And then with time you begin to play around with that and you, and you'll get a much better, more accurate um, take on it. Um, you'll be able to sort of really pinpoint it with time and, and practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, like you were talking about muscles and the neurological piece that you need to be able to do to activate and train the muscles, you can do the same with these zones. So these zones aren't fixed. They can, they can shift yeah, yeah. sideways um, yeah. and you can train them to shift by doing you know, yeah. specific things. So if you, if you take that very first oxidative uh, zone where, you know, as I say, you're producing a very, very, very small amount of lactate, if you keep exercising in that zone, um, because that zone largely depends about, uh, about um, you know, a mitochondrial function, because that's, that's the thing that actually creates the energy for the muscles to operate in that, in that, uh, in that energy zone. If you keep working in that zone, what happens is you produce more mitochondria and the mitochondria also become more efficient. So you end up stretching that zone out over a period of time. Mm. Um, mm. And, and likewise, you can become, you know, you can push your second lactate threshold point out a little bit as well. So you, you, there's, there's flex in these zones if you train them appropriately, yeah. just like you train the muscles from a neurological perspective. It's just that you're doing it from a physiological or a metabolic perspective, really, rather than a neurological one. Um, mm. and, and that's, you know, that's the, that's the real, I think the real key is if you can understand the zones and then understand how my training gets to not only use those zones but but can i manipulate them for my benefit for a particular you know outcome that you're trying to achieve then you're you're more than halfway there in terms of figuring out your training your exercise and your training associated with it yeah um okay so so you so you're going you're going through your you've, you've sort of you know you're approximately where you're um uh, lactate threshold one is the aerobic threshold so now you're moving up through the system things are getting harder getting a bit tougher and you're approaching that lt2 what what are we talking about there what's what's the, what are we yeah it's roughly sort of 80 to 85 percent um probably closer to 85 percent um so again you'll have the... so that's what so that's what um phil cavell was talking about with his zones with the heart rate wasn't it it was it was up to 80 percent for zone one zone two was 80 to 80 about 88 80 to 88 percent and then above 88 percent was then your your you and your zone three which and he said just one ones and threes that's the polarized training so ones and threes are where you want to stay but so so your lactate threshold is your zone is is approximately 85 to 88 percent is that right i think i so i disagree with phil a little bit in the sense i would shift those figures down a bit we're talking okay. marginal stuff, but I wouldn't have said your your first zone, the oxidative state, so that up to that lactate threshold one, I think that's probably closer to 75% than, than 80. Okay. 
Um, now, in a well-trained athlete, maybe mm. they could push it up to eighty. But I think most of you know most of our listeners, for example, they may they may maybe at seventy. Um, because they've not trained that they've not trained that area. It's important to sort of to acknowledge that, and the reason I sort of refer to the triangle, um, I suppose I should actually. In fact, I used it with a client running the other day. Think of a house <laughs> instead mm. of a triangle, right? The, the the tiles on the roof is that yeah. phosphagen, you know, high complete high intensity, you know, almost yeah. bursts of activity, right? Your sort of upstairs is your glycolic system. That's the main bulk of the house, you know, glycolytic system, sorry. Uh, your foundations is your oxidative state. Right. And it's yeah. important that what, what people need to kind of realize is you can't train your oxidative state. You can't train that aerobic engine if you're playing around with the tiles on the roof. And that's what happens. So the stuff where you talk about your time crunch cyclist is a perfect example. High intensity exercise in short bursts of time will make you feel like you've made an awful lot of progress. The problem is you're not training your you're not you're not operating in that oxidative zone, that energy zone at all. You're you're completely um, you know in the other zones. And you're not building up that mitochondria element. So from a long-term perspective, yes, it gives you a short-term boost, but it doesn't help you long-term because you haven't developed the mitochondria function. What I would argue is that you're not, it's not that you're not burning, you're not utilizing the deoxidative state in the high-intensity stuff. You are to a degree, just you're reliant, much more reliant upon the glycolytic system. And therefore the oxidative state doesn't get as much of a look in. So yes, you are training it, but you're not training it as efficiently as if you were doing the, the, the polarized training, which is what or, science or, or, effect- or effectively, right? It's, it's the effectiveness yeah, yeah. of that training. So yes, I mean, of course you'll pass through it because you're going to have to pass through it to get, to get to that second zone or even, the, yeah. even that third zone. Um, yeah. And so yes, you will exercise it and it will be utilized as part of, of that stuff, but predominantly you, you're, you're at the other end of the scale. So you're not actually effectively developing that mitochondrial function that you need to really boost that oxidative zone that you, you you're working in, um, and it's just not sustainable. That's that's the other thing. So yeah. long term sustainability comes from developing that mitochondrial function. Mm. You know, one of the well, so, so, this is what the this is what the pro cyclists do. And the, and the runners do. It's just it's just long slow runs or long slow rides. But you know you can't do that exclusively because then you just you don't have all the you don't have that that power when you need it and that, that explosiveness when you need it. So you need to do both. But you, you, the bias should be more towards the bottom end rather than the top end, yeah. which is what I was doing. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was doing the other way. Around. And the other thing that, of course, what you are doing, uh, why. You know, if you spend a significant periods of time, and this is why pro athletes spend a, a huge amount of time in in this oxidative energy zone, is and and building that mitochondrial function and efficiency is that means that you can clear lactate much more effectively. Yes. So yes. so one of the you know when people watch you know days of Chris Froome now Pogacar, 
what they were seeing is, and Chris Woom in particular, because I think he actually went through a, a battery of tests because um, there was an awful lot of fuss about whether he was doping and what have you, and he, he made himself available for a lot of lab tests. And what they found is he clears lactate. His efficiency in clearing lactate was incredible, which allowed him to then be able to go again. So he could do these bursts on climbs, and people were like, well, he must be on drugs. No, he had just trained <laughs> in that physiological energy zone to increase his mitochondrial efficiency, which meant that he could actually clear lactate more effectively than than you know some other riders some of that was obviously genetics as well so yeah, yeah. A part. Yeah. um yeah. but you also see um you know the lactate production and this is why i think lact- it really all comes down to that lactate curve as the thread between it you know if you're if you, if you die diabetic patients for example they tend to produce high levels of lactate even in the oxidative what should be the oxidative state. Uh, so, and, and you, you see it also with long COVID long COVID tends to attack that autonomic, uh, mitochondrial function. And, um, so if you were to do a lactate test of somebody in a long COVID state, they would probably mm. produce in quite a lot of lactate, even just sitting around, which is why they don't, they complain, they fatigue, they don't have any energy to be able to do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so it's quite, yeah, it's quite interesting. So that's that's essentially the energy systems, Greg. It's it's you know, those three three systems, and um, it's all they're all threaded together by that by that lactate uh, curve. Okay, so um, so then it becomes then it really becomes down to how we how we train them, how we train them, how we train them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think in the next pod, what we can do is go into each of those bits. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That sounds really good. Okay. Well, that's slightly clearer now in my head. So thanks for that. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to do, right? It's what we're trying to do. (laughs) Very good. Very good. So are we going to, are we going to do that first or are we going to do strength training first? What's what's the plan? Come ah, it's a good question. What should we do? Well, we'll we'll work it out. We'll work it out. I'm sure we'll work it out. But I think what we can do is we can couple together aerobic and the more kind of anaerobic VO2 high intensity stuff because now we've talked about the energy systems. It's just easy to map both of those onto those uh, onto that sort of framework as it were um uh so we can definitely lump those two together and then um yeah we can then cover strength as a separate topic there's some really interesting stuff i've been reading with strength stuff about actually how um it does an awful lot more for you than than we probably think that the connections to to brain health is quite uh important yeah it's it's uh... As we dig into it, I mean, just things just become more and more fascinating. Um, and, you know, it's the – certainly as I'm doing more strength training, more weight training, I'm, I'm beginning to sort of fall back in love with it. And, again, it goes back to what I said in the last pod about when I was younger, I just went and, went and did it because I did it because I needed it – or I thought I needed it for, for rugby. So I, so I was trying to get strong for rugby. But now I'm actually doing it with a lot more thought – and an awareness 
And actually, I find myself think, getting more out of it. And so I find it really quite, um, uh, it's a challenge, but at the same time, it's quite, it's quite good. When you, it's, it's a lovely feeling when you get it right. It feels very um, natural. Um, you're thinking about it, but at the same time, you can feel your body moving in a, in a, in a much more efficient way. And it's, it's actually quite a nice feel. Like on the bike today, I saw suddenly the stuff I've been doing, the low intensity cycling, suddenly I'm, I'm, I'm spinning at sort of 95, uh, canes of 95, and, and I felt quite balanced. And I could feel like I I, my, my brain could keep up with that and I could, I could, I could feel what was going on. And, and I felt the power was, was, was delivered more, more, more equally. So it's been a, so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of relishing exercise at the moment. And um, for that, for that, for those, for that reason, really, just because I'm sort of thinking about it more. Yeah. And I think the same, the same is true with these energy systems. <laughs> if you, mm. if you understand the energy systems and one of the things that I try and encourage any clients that I coach, you don't underestimate the RPE element to it, you know, which is basically mm. our, our perceived rate of exertion, right? It's actually pretty accurate. Mm. Um, and mm. you can, you can almost feel when you're changing from mm. one predominantly more into the other. Because there's a trigger, there's yeah. sort of hormonal changes happen. So the autonomic system kicks in a little bit and it, and it releases hormones to enable you to unlock the glucose and carbohydrates within the muscles. So if you're moving from that oxidative state um, mm. and you can feel that it's, it, you know, it, it's something that you can actually feel. And likewise, when you do those sprints or that very high intensity interval training stuff, you know, where you're doing absolute balls out. 20 second, mm. 30 second sprints you 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 feel that build up you can feel that lactate not clearing through your system it's something you can it's it's a it's almost a tangible thing yeah um and yeah it's it's it comes back to you you know some of the points you were making about the strength stuff and the neurological connections starting to feel that and activate it um same don't just go through the it. yeah exactly exactly yeah it, it is easy to just get on a bike and, and and ride and that's not that's lovely but if you want to get better at it you need to think about it and that's you know that's not it's not a it's not just being given to you it's 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 um you've got you've got to you've got to tune it and work it work it and uh and it, it's a skill you, it is a skill it, it feels sounds a bit weird to say a skill you know we can run of course <laughs> of course you can but getting tuning it and making it work better um fine tuning it is requires requires practice and thought and yeah and that i find the whole thing quite fascinating both professionally and personally yeah yeah and particularly from i think an endurance perspective because if you're looking to go further if you don't understand mm. the energy systems mm. it's a real impairment to being able mm. to go further uh comfortably <laughs> uh, and yeah. enjoyably and in a sustained and then, way and then you can make a reasoned decision um uh um or decisions based on knowledge around um fueling and 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 nutrition and and you'll start your 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 choices on diet 
can be affected by that. Not by saying I'm going to go and I'm going to follow this this I'm going to choose these foods for this reason. Um, I'm going to feel that this like this because of for you know for the stuff that I do know what's happening in my body. Well, yeah. if you take a very simple practical example of how this plays out, understanding the energy systems. If I and I'll use cycling because I tend to cycle further than I run in terms of duration of time. But I can go out on a cycle ride, and if I think, okay, I'm going to stay within that oxidative zone, I understand that the energy that's fueling my muscle activity for that, let's say it's an hour and a half, is I don't need to eat anything if I'm just going out mm. for an hour and a half because I can I know that it's all there already within my body, the fats and carbohydrates, and it's just a case of unlocking them by staying in that oxidative state. So I don't need to eat or drink. Now, if I think actually I'm going to be going out for three hours, <laughs> mm. um, yes, I could probably sustain that for three hours, but the likelihood is I may start drifting into mm. um, the uh, um, carbohydrate zone. So I'm going to be, well, yeah, but, but maybe not too much, but I'm probably going to stray over that line. Right. So I'm going to be then utilizing carbohydrates. So then I think, okay, well, again, I could carry on probably for a little bit because I've got carbohydrates in my liver and I know I had a big pasta meal the night before or whatever it might be. And I could utilize that to a certain degree, but at some point I will have run out of those, those reserves. So therefore I need to eat. So then immediately you start saying, okay, well now I need to, I can understand the nutritional elements of how I'm going to feed whilst I'm doing, doing that ride. And same for a marathon, if you're going to be running for, you know, four hours or five hours plus for an ultra marathon, um, understanding those energy systems and how your body's utilizing those and where you are within them has massive, massive repercussions for how you then feel for it. So you get to the end of whatever it is that you've done and actually you're not underfueled. You know, you, you've, you've performed to your maximum for however long you needed to. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So, so, that's, the so that's the energy systems done. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll pick up on either, either strength or uh, aerobic and anaerobic, some stuff in the next session. And Brilliant. as ever, we will release the stuff on Substack. Uh, the detailed notes mm. if you want to access those as well um, and I appreciate you can't see things like lactate curves but we can put them in the notes so you can actually see them and um, be able to utilize it fantastic thanks well, thanks for that Jason it's all right Greg pleasure thanks for listening everyone and uh, see you all soon see you